welcome to Season 7 of Sundays with Wendy, the voice of caregivers. My name is Wendy Goldberg, and I am the founder of the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. We believe the caregiver is an essential role. This season, we hear their voices. A parent and patient, a sibling, a chaplain, a healthcare worker, and a hospital administrator. Listen in as each of them share their stories. Exploring healing is at the heart of our work at the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. Thank you for listening. To learn more, visit BenjaminGoldbergFoundation.org. Today, I welcome two very special people from our local children's hospital, the Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters. I have Whitney Horsley, the Director of Hematology Oncology Division, and Stephanie Langevin, who is Nurse Manager in the Children's Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at CHKD. So welcome. Hi, Wendy. Hi, thank you for having us. I know. I mean, we had so many fun conversations when Ben was inpatient and in the clinic. So it's kind of cool. We get to full circle, do it again. It's definitely a nice reunion. <laughs> you know, oncology is just such a, I don't know, special place, such a unique place in such a intimate time for people when you're hearing the diagnosis or child is facing cancer. And so I just want you to know how important your roles are to those families that come through the doors. Thank you. It's an absolute privilege to be able to be there for our patients and families during some of the most vulnerable times in their lives. So we're honored to be able to, to serve in that role. Yeah, you, you were um, very much appreciated. And I just, I have to tell this story, Stephanie, <laughs> I remember, you know, it was the first week we were admitted at the hospital and everything's coming at you so fast, like all this new information, everything. And I, I remember I saw you walking down the hall with a headless torso and I had seen that in, in a treatment room. And I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's different. And you were continued to walk into the room and I was like, oh, okay. And then you said, you know, we're going to teach you how to change his dressing, his, his line. And I said, you want me to do what? You know, and you just <laughs> smiled, you know, like this was going to happen. And I think that was the moment that everything changed. I was like, this is really serious. Like this is not a um, band-aid or a antibiotic that you're given to your child. I mean, this is something potentially that could harm him if I did not do it right. Yeah. And I, I think in that moment of grace for you, 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 we, we did it. <laughs> we, did, we just did it. I didn't love it. Um, and I remember the first time I did it at home. So you have sterile gloves. When you put on, you cannot touch anything except what's in this area that's also sterile. So at home, the first time I did it, I had to change my gloves three times right? because I touched something. And then, you know, Ben, at the end, he said, that was the worst dressing change ever. <laughs> uh, we did it and he didn't get an infection. Thank God. You know, you were such a good teacher and you were so gentle in the way that you approached us um, with these, these really hard things that you have to do. I, I think, you know, that's one of the, the gifts of caregiving, right? So I, I don't think everybody can be a caregiver naturally, but I think those that are led to this calling, which I really do believe that this is a calling, mm -hmm. whether it's nursing, whether it's being a parent, not everybody can be a parent and, and caregive, that, that there's a reason why you're led to it. And I think in that moment of grace, even Ben even would tell you, <laughs> Honestly and wholeheartedly. Yes. Yeah, everything was on the table. Mm -hmm. 
And and so those are just some of the stories that, you know, just make me giggle now about how we just did it. And there really wasn't a right or a wrong way to do it. Right. And I think that's what the, the gift you gave me that day was you can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I use the analogy of, of caregiving because I'm a parent and I tell my kids every day, well, this is the first time that I'm a parent of this age, mm-hmm. or this is the first time I'm a parent of you, and I'm learning along the journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves as caregivers is the grace mm-hmm. that a lot of times this is the first time we've experienced X, Y, and Z. And it may not look the same. My parenting may look differently than yours or, or Whitney's or my mm-hmm. nursing may look a little <laughs> differently but we have the intention at, at the base. Yeah. And it's all okay. It, somehow it all gets done. Right. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. So, you know, again, like in oncology, you know, it's really like immersive. I always feel like, because you not only could you potentially have to change a dressing at home, but there may be shots to be given and a slew of drugs to be given. Right. I mean, it's so, so, so intense. So how do you feel like you guys, you know, support those parents that are faced with, you know, so quickly, all of this information and all of these things that they have to do to caregive and not so much in the hospital, because you have that support, but when you go home too. Yeah, I think that we set ourselves up in trying to make sure that we have the staff and the resources available to be able to meet our patients all of their needs, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's like the nursing, you know, the hands-on care while they're here. We have nursing coordinators who specifically, oncology coordinators, their goal is to help work with our families at diagnosis, to help teach them, prepare them, you know, what it's going to be like when you go home. You guys were just talking about the headless torso and, and, and teaching how to do a dressing change or you know, or it may be like an injection of some sort that might have to happen. And so being able to have those staff in place that can be a resource and knowledge and and work with our families, Um, but, and not only, you know, in nursing, but social work, right? And so where we have social workers who are are available, because they're also caretakers who can help our families, you know, what, what can we help you with? your bills, right? Or, or those things with work. I mean, when, when our patients are diagnosed, your, your focus is on your child and, but there's also a whole life outside of what's going on. Our social workers can be there to help our families through that. And so, and we have, you know, case management. And so there's different aspects to me being a caregiver in and outside of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And you guys have a beautiful relationship with Edmark Hospice, and one of your nurses in the clinic is also on on their staff as well. And I know that was um, so helpful to us when we went home to think that you weren't just left on your own, you know, right. that you had you had someone to call and you know come out, and they did, you know, and they stayed connected to us. You know, I think right. they came out once a month, um, you know, regardless of what was going on. Right. We're really fortunate to, to mm-hmm. number one, have a pediatric hospice in the area, right, mm-hmm. um, which is Edmark you spoke of, but then also to have, um, we actually have two nurses that are on staff that work PRN as needed for mm-hmm. Edmark, who are full-time nurses with us at CHKD, where they're a, a liaison between the mm-hmm. two, um, which is extremely beneficial to our patients and families. 
A hundred percent. And I remember when um, I was in the clinic one day and they were, you know, I think passing some things out. And I, I said, oh, what is that? And someone said, well, these are tickets to, you know, for some of the families who need bus fare or, you know, cab rides. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even think about that because that wasn't something that was impacting me at the time. But I mean, the needs are so different for so many different families. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because the the sheer amount of visits, patient appointments, you know, the times you have to come into the doctor, whether it's a scheduled or like an emergency, if you had, if your kid has a fever and it's a medical emergency, you need to get (laughs) Mm -hmm. to seek attention as soon as possible. Right. And so um, not everybody has all of those resources and the ability to be able to get to and from appointments. And so, um, or the medications, you know, um, that they have the resources to to pay for all their medications that they need. And so we are very fortunate to have donated funds and specific funds that are restricted for that purpose, for medication assistance, for utility bill payments, for um, transportation to and from the hospital. It's so needed, you know. So do one of you have a, a special story you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, so when I found out the topic was caregivers and you had, you know, asked about a special story, my mind immediately went to like my personal life <laughs> and outside of the hospital, immediately went to the personal situation that I had to deal with as being a caregiver back in 2017. Um, when my dad was in a horrific snow skiing accident out in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was actually here at work when it happened, when I got the phone call from my mom that something horrible had happened. And and I was meeting actually with one of our physicians. I was in his office when I got the call who, hey, I probably couldn't have been in a better place at a better time only because that physician was the most wonderful caregiver to me to support me, um, who was like, all right, Whitney, like we're going to, I'm searching flights. You got to get out there. Like I'm going to call the ER physician where your dad is. And we're going to figure out like what exactly is going on because there was so much information that we couldn't get other than I knew that he basically, um, had lost his pulse and they were doing CPR on him. So, So that entire experience where I went experiencing the other side of healthcare and being a a daughter and being there to advocate for my dad, who we had a very grim outcome. He suffered a traumatic brain injury and was not expected to make it at at all. And if he did, it was not going to be a very good outcome. But to be there to support my mom and my sister who the two of us flew out the next day and we, we were in Salt Lake City for a little over two weeks in intensive care there before we could actually get him flown back here to Virginia so we would be closer to home. But also being a nurse and having knowledge where my specialty was not trauma, but, mm-hmm. but knowing like what I should expect, you know, what you have to look out for and, and wearing all these hats and how challenging it was and how exhausting it was. Then somehow just finding like this, this energy of like, I never wanted to leave the bedside. I wanted to be there 24 seven because I felt like if my dad did not have that advocate, something might go wrong. Right. 
we even had like end of life discussions, which were so hard. And I had never experienced anything like that before. And then coming back to work after that. So I was actually out of work for like five to six weeks. Um, coming back to work, I just had a whole new perspective in general on being a caregiver as a nurse and a minister, like it just, it was a whole different outlook. And so in providing what our patients and families need and, and really always thinking about putting yourself in their shoes and the parent's shoes or the patient's shoes of what that's like, it was humbling. And it was, it was just a, a crazy experience to go through. And, but one that I learned so much and, and to me, like, had allowed me to continue to be more like compassionate and empathetic in my position. Um, until you go through that, I don't know that it, there's any way to really know what that's like. And even though that you've, you've witnessed those, those yeah. same things for families countless times, right? Absolutely. But until you've actually experienced it, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. I mean, it's just total. it's different. I mean, it's really the reason I do what I do. You know, because these were such heightened experiences that, I mean, I was like, how, how can you not, like, how can you not at least try to have that story somehow impact somebody else's story going forward? It becomes your why almost. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And another thing that I think of as we're talking is, you know, we have these policies in place that we we have to follow for, for good reasons, right? But there are times where sometimes we might have to make an exception. And we've done that, whether it's like a visitation exception or something where we wouldn't normally do that. But, you know, for this situation, this is what's best for this patient at this time, right? And so I think about when my dad, when we flew him back home and we were at a very large medical institution and he was in the ICU and he was conscious at this time, but he was trached and he wasn't able to, to talk to us. But we, my daughter was, gosh, like four years old. And so I had asked the nurses, is there any way that I could bring my daughter in to see my dad? Because I know like that was just like the light of my dad's life was my daughter, his mm -hmm. only granddaughter. They were like, uh, well, he's on contact and droplet precautions. Like we, we don't ever do that. And, and I said, I, I realize that, but I can tell you it will make a huge difference to my dad. And just for me, for him to be able to like smile, I just know this is going to make a difference. And so we pushed it a little bit and I worked with there. Um, I had like child life from the pediatric part of the hospital come over and I was like, and we'll gown her up and all these things. And so, and they allowed us to do that. Um, I love that. It made such a difference. And to see my dad's reaction, it was mm -hmm. priceless. I mean, he had tears rolling down his mm. face to be able to see my daughter. And I truly believe, I mean, it just kind of made him like, okay, I have to fight. Like I have to, this is why, like I want to, this will give me strength to live, to continue to push forward, to do everything I need to do. And, mm -hmm. and so 
we knew that that was against the policy, but they, they bended the rules for us and we followed in the right manner. And it just, it made such an impact to not only my daughter, to me, to my dad. And um, so I just have to share that. I always said that too, because from the patient and parent standpoint, I mean, you know, the protocol exists for a reason for safety, right? right? However, it was almost like if you put the patient kind of above the protocol, you know, and you really look at that patient as a person, that family as a unit, then the protocol kind of drops to the bottom sometimes. Right. And maybe that protocol, maybe it could be changed. Maybe it, be, it could be looked at differently, but um, yeah, we always ask. All, all the time for everything. I um, mean, we got a lot of no's, but there, yeah, there are times that when you feel like this, this really needs to happen. Right. For, yeah. for me, when we knew each other more, more directly, I was more at the bedside and now I'm more in an administrative role. And so I'm thinking when you sent us, you know, what does caregiving mean to us? Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking of it from that hat and I never lose my why I got into nursing to begin with. I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a nurse. I absolutely knew that I wanted to be a nurse. I didn't want to be a doctor. I knew that because mm -hmm. I knew that nurses had the relationship with the patients. We are mm -hmm. with them at the bedside for a longer period of time throughout the day. As I got into management, which I will tell you, I never was going to do. I knew from the beginning I was going to be a nurse. I was never going to be a manager. And here I am seven years later being a manager. I look at my why every day. Um, I love this patient population that we take care of. I love the parents that we take care of. And the staff that we work with, both on the inpatient unit and on the outpatient unit, are some of the most remarkable people that I've ever had the joy of of knowing and working alongside and laughing with and crying with in my entire life. And, you know, when you work in a field and people say, what do you do? We hear this all the time. Oh, that must be so hard. It's hard, but my good days far outnumber my bad days. Children like Ben are my why. Mm -hmm. He was such an, as you know, right? <laughs> such an amazing, amazing child families like you and, and how I can support as an administrator, how I can help my nurses be mm -hmm. better caregivers. We learned a lot during the pandemic and we were not like hospitals in New York where, you know, in our little world and in, in pediatric, it looked different than adult hospitals. But we were going through a lot of changes at the same time. The buzzwords that you heard on the news of burnout and nurses being tired and policies changing and practices changing and there being short supplies and all that hit all of us. And so during that period, part of what brought us to work every day is how we could support our staff. Mm -hmm. And, and that continues to bring me to work every day as a, as a different caregiver. Um, so that's what caregiving means to me now. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it's felt like, I think when you guys approach it like that, it is felt by the families when you come in and I mean, you just have to drop all of your crap, you know, <laughs> like all of your crap is now down here and you were in this clinic and you're with these people and you are a family. Right. I mean, we were relying on you. And so as we too saw the pandemic change things and the foundation has, you know, kind of really shifted gears a little bit to where we want to support the patients, but this caregiver angle is also so important. Knowing that's the feedback we're getting that, you know, supporting all the healthcare workers. Right. 
so you guys can support the people that you need to mm -hmm. support. It's like a big circle. Yeah. So, well, thank you for coming on um, today. And you and I were talking off <laughs> before we recorded about uh, probably one of the funnier stories that I, I actually kind of forgot. Um, it was um, Jeff's daughter, Ben's sister, and I in the beginning, and we went down to the, the store on the corner over here where they sold scrubs. And we bought, all, I mean, we probably bought $300 worth of scrubs. Because we were going to take this seriously. I think that didn't last very long. And we ended up donating a lot of them back up to the hospital. <laughs> and, then, and then when we shared that story, everyone laughed and it became light and fun. And, you know. I still remember that day walking in with that headless chest and you guys being dressed in scrubs. And I was like, all right, my sister's in this together. We got this. <laughs> Let's go. And we weren't going to do it perfect. And I was going to mess up. And I did. But it was, you know, like I said, it's all okay. You know? Because we were, we just felt very supported. Right. So anyway, well, the, thank you both for sharing um, your insights and your perspectives on caregiving. Because I think these conversations are really crucial to people when they need to hear them. Absolutely. Well, thank yeah. you so much for having us. It's yeah. It's an honor to be asked. And always yeah. such a wonderful time to talk to you, Wendy. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Oh, anytime. I, you know, since COVID, I have not been able to be at the hospital as much, of course, but, um, you know, I hope to be up there a little bit more. Yes. Anytime. Just Thank reach out. You. Thank you so much. Until next time.